friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am so thrilled that you are here with us this week. Every week, I invite a girlfriend to join me on the show, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Guys, you're listening to episode number 81, and today's guest is Kat Armstrong. Kat's an entrepreneur, a mom, a pastor's wife, and I think that you're really going to love our conversation. We talked about bow ties, about what it means to be a pastor's wife, and she even taught me about what Pantone colors are. Guys, I seriously had no idea prior to this conversation. Okay, guys, here is my conversation with Kat. And then I had to race to Target for some really important things like we have supper club tonight. And so for some reason, I felt as though I needed to like to decorate my table. Because supper club is like no joke in our supper club. Like you can't show up with like crappy food and you can't show up with a crappy dinner table. Um, It's kind of evolved into that. And so I am not a decorator type, um, but Aaron is a cook. And so he'll spend all day today cooking. And basically he'll look at me and be like, what are you contributing to this night? (laughs) And so when he comes home today, I get to show him my garden theme decorations that I got. And so I'm contributing to this family by golly, just wait. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So that's my morning. How's your morning been? And by the way, welcome to the happy hour. Like we just kind of get rolling on here. Yeah. No, my morning's been really great. Um, We just, I've got one of my Polish Austin volunteers just moved in with me last night. She moved to Dallas, started a job with Neiman Marcus this morning. And so it was just super fun to like send her off to work today. And yeah, so she'll be with us a couple weeks. And then I got my kid to childcare and I had it conference call with the chair of our board for polish this morning you, uh, we should just stop right here and you should talk about polish yeah tell everyone what polish is and how it started and all that jazz yeah i was um in seminary back in 2008 i was about halfway through my program and i ran into a dear friend of mine from college named stephanie giddens and we started just meeting once a week, once a month to pray and encourage each other as we were journeying through seminary. And as a result, we were getting to share stories about working full-time as professional women and all the opportunities we were getting to share our faith. We were perplexed because we're in the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. We're in Dallas and most of our close friends were solid believers. And so, to be exposed to so many opportunities to share the gospel, I think we were both caught off guard. And as a result, she ended up doing her thesis at seminary on how the church is reaching this new demographic. And out of those conversations was like, born- I'm sorry, a new demographic of working women. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the Census Bureau, the Barna statistics, Christianity Today, all of these resources are, are showing us that this generation of millennials and the young professionals under 35 right now, they're marrying later in life. Mm -hmm. They're choosing to have less children. They're having the kids later in life. Um, They're in the workforce longer. They have surpassed the number of men obtaining their advanced educational degrees. What these women have. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now the stats show that women um, have outnumbered the amount of men that have got their graduate degrees. And so obviously 
once someone uh, gets that kind of level of education, they are expected to be in the workforce longer. So what we're seeing is just a generation that um, is more likely to be in the workforce and potentially forever, Mm. irregardless if they have kids or work part-time or from home. I mean, there's lots of expressions of that, but in general, it's a really disconnected generation from the church. Um, And we, the more study we did, Stephanie and I felt like this is a genuine unreached people group because they can't attend a Bible study at 9 a.m. at their church because they're working full time. Right. And then single moms, um, really tough on your schedule to do a nighttime Bible study mm-hmm. um, because by the end of a long day, you're beat. Yeah. And, and then, you don't want to be away from your kids. Right. And then you have a hundred other things you have to do. Baseball practice, dinner. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So that all these conversations led to a moment at Starbucks and a dream was born. Hey, why don't we do something? Let's, let's share the gospel with a whole generation of young professional women. And by 2009, we started our luncheons in Dallas. Um, We started with 19 people and the whole event was a disaster. Why? (laughs) What happened? Beginning to end. Uh, you know, the lunch service wasn't good. We picked uh-huh. the wrong food. The microphones didn't work. The sermon was centered around a video. The video didn't play. Oh, the worst. Uh, yeah. I mean, of the 19 people that showed up that day, every single one of them was a dear, close friend. They were there Our- to support you and they were happy. You know, yeah. Praise <laughs> right. God, right? <laughs> it, felt, it felt really defeating to go through the motions and, and think, we want this to be an evangelism-focused ministry where we're sharing the gospel with the lost and disconnected. And yet everyone who showed up that first time knew Christ. Yeah. Um, so it's evolved a lot. You know, it's been eight years. I did not realize until this moment that it had been that long. Yeah. Wow. So you started this when you were in seminary and when you say you were working full time as well, what were you doing? I was a vice president and independent consultant with Arbonne. So I was selling skincare and makeup. Gotcha. And then where did the boat baby bow ties come in? So that was, let's see, Caleb was a three month old baby and I couldn't find a bow tie to replace this cute little shower gift someone had given me. Uh-huh. So, um, I went online and just went shopping, couldn't find anything I loved. And that, I think it was 2013 and the Pantone color of the year was emerald green. Uh-huh. And I, I get really, really into the Pantone colors of the year. And so I was very disappointed that I couldn't find an emerald green bow tie. Okay, and can, so, I stop, can I stop you real quick? Yeah. What do you say? What is the word you're using for the color of the year? Pantone. Okay. I don't even know what this means because this is how out of touch I am with style. What does that even mean when you say that? You're not out of touch. Come on. Um, Pantone, it's used by designers, graphic designers, clothing designers, painters, but essentially they choose a color of the year. Who's they? Who gets to have their choice in this? They're the company is called Pantone. I, oh, it's a company. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So they provide, have you ever seen those really beautiful, um, they look like a fan. You fan them out and it has all these colors. Like the color wheel or something? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. So they actually make those. Okay. I got gotcha. you. They, they decide what colors are coded with which numbers and letters so that 
designers and uh, all across the world can be like have a uniform language around those colors. Okay, I got it. And it, re- it it really shapes a lot of what we see. It shapes what we see in fashion. It shapes it shapes what we see on TV and advertisements. And so you'll see it in your wardrobe. You won't even try. But this year, you're going to see a lot of rose quartz. And serenity. Is that for 2016? You're sh- telling that to me? Yeah, there's two, there's two actually. I think this is the first year they've ever chosen two colors. Okay, what are they? It's rose quartz. Uh huh. And serenity blue. Well, I'm going to need to go get something in those colors today <laughs> because I need to be in. Oh, my gosh. I never knew this happened. Yeah. You I don't, have I, educated me, Kat. <laughs> uh, my friend Micah May would be really happy right now. She, I, I love your friend Micah May, and she would be happy for, that I have been educated on this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, 2013 was all about emerald green. And I couldn't find a little bow tie for Caleb. So um, I have some pretty off the wheels dreams. And my husband's so used to these conversations. Bless him. And we've been together, I don't know, 15 years. And so when I approached him and said, hey, I want to start a company making bow ties for kids and for pets. And I'm going to need all of our savings. Like, oh my gosh, this <laughs> came out of not finding the emerald green bow tie. <laughs> yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, but you know what? People like you, these starters and entrepreneurs, y'all think just alike. I was just listening to speaking to Micah May. I was just listening to her on the Lively Show. She had a podcast yeah. with them, and she told her story about how May Designs came around, and it was like the same thing. Like, here's a need, so I just went and did it. Yeah, I've seen this pattern just develop really over my whole life of sensing this, hey, this there's a problem, I want to fix it, or there's a need, and I want to help meet it. And even polish, it was the same type of thing. It's, okay, the, this generation of young professional women, how are they connecting to the local church? How are they hearing the gospel um, if we're not going to them? Mm. And so I, I just feel like there's several expressions of that in my life. Um, and baby bow tie was one of them of let's make something beautiful and safe. Um, so that's how I fell into baby bow tie. Okay. So you made Caleb a bow tie (laughs) and then you created with all of your savings, a business. Yeah. You know, God orchestrates the most incredible relationships in his timing. And when you look back at that, at the big picture years after you can go, wow, I, can't believe that these certain relationships came into my life when they did. Um, but kind of the backstory is I, I was working as the operational director for a small startup called University Laundry. And um, I worked for them for several years part-time and got to know one of the guys, uh, the, he was the chief information officer there. And one day he very casually mentioned, yeah, my wife started this company called Bandeau. And I pulled out my People magazine from my bag in that moment. I was like, shut the front because door. Because you, you love – aren't you the one, the friend of mine that told me that they love all things like People magazine? Yeah. This makes it's me a, happy. It's out of control. Okay, keep going. So Bandeau, I, of course, obviously, I don't know what this is. <laughs> so <laughs> no I, surprise here. I pull out my People magazine and I'm like, Taylor Swift is wearing a Bandeau accessory 
in this picture. So you mean to tell me we have been officing together and working together for years. <laughs> and I don't know this. And your wife is a, a stylist to the movie stars in L.A. And she just happens to make accessories like Carrie Underwood's wedding veil. Oh. Uh, so it was that I just geeked out. Um, so I had this friendship with his wife and when Baby Boat, the idea for Baby Bowtie rolled around, she was the first person I called and said, hey, you, you made it work in the accessory market. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And um, I used to call her one of my angels because she mentored me at no charge and helped me overcome so many of those obstacles small business owners have at the beginning. Um, she really coached me. Yeah. I mean, you can't that you can't put a dollar amount on what that, what that did for you. You really, I mean, you really can't. She coached me on things that I look back now and go, I didn't even understand the value of the input she was giving me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you started baby bow tie. Yeah. So I started baby bow tie. We, um, we launched, I think in 2013 at the very end of the year. And, um, my relationships with Polish, again, coming back to that theme of God brings us the right relationships in his timing. And these type of things don't happen overnight. They're usually cultivated um, over a lifetime sometimes. But essentially, I was reaching out to a Polish attendee one day mm-hmm. and saying, I haven't seen you. Um, I want you to know you came to mind today and I spent some time praying for you. And she emailed me back and said, um, I knew she worked at Neiman Marcus. She had been there for several years, uh, but she was in the beauty department as a buyer. And I didn't think twice about it, but she emailed me back and said, you know, I'm actually going through a really significant season right now and I'm struggling with an illness and that your email meant a lot to me. And so I'm scanning the email and I get to the bottom and her email signature had changed. And she was now the new Neiman Marcus accessory buyers for children. Okay, nice. (laughs) So I called her and just said, Hey, uh, so I don't know how this works, but do you actually choose what Neiman Marcus sells? Right. She said, yeah, absolutely. I said, well, I, I just started this company. I'd love to send you a sample. And so she called me back and coached me, which buyers usually don't do. And just right. said, she was so blunt. She was like, we wouldn't buy your product. And here are all the reasons why. <laughs> uh, but if you work on these revisions to your product and send it back to me, we would consider it. So I worked like, wow, round the clock to make all these modifications to the product and send it back to her And we got a really small account with Neiman's online. And then that led to a a small online account with Nordstrom and then tons of boutiques across the nation. And again, it was, I had Jamie in one ear saying, Hey, this is how you, this is how you'll get there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then some of these things you just can't contrive. Like there wasn't a real strategy behind it. Um, I didn't reach out to my friend that day in hopes that she would help me with Nima Marcus. Mm -hmm. I really genuinely reached out to her just to pray for her. Um, But God does that. He brings the right people at the right time. That's amazing. And so baby bow tie is still up and running and doing strong now. 
Yeah. I mean, I'm not it, uh, very heavily involved with it. I've got this amazing assistant, Allison. And so she runs most of it so that I focus full time, almost a hundred percent on polish now. That's awesome. And so polish, we were talking about that at the beginning. Polish really started as an outreach to um, women who are working in the workforce and you're wanting to outreach, not just Christian women to come for a lunch together, but you want people, is the point of it to have people in their workplace to invite non-believers? Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Our mission statement is to share the gospel with young professional women and then to equip young professional women to share the gospel. And so what we really focus on at our luncheons is creating a really safe and inclusive environment for anyone with any religious background or not. Um, and they really come for the professional or personal development mm -hmm. aspect, right? They're coming in because they want to network. They want to meet other professional women in their life stage or um, because the speaker is speaking on something they really would relate to. Mm -hmm. But they always leave hearing the gospel. And then we invite them to respond um, with a response card. And you would just be shocked at the number of women that check the box on that card that says, I want to know more about a relationship with Jesus. Um, I, Sarah Harmeyer just spoke in Polish Dallas mm -hmm. in February, and I led a table um, at that event, and two of the women who sat at my table checked that box. That's and amazing. so our goal as Polish leaders, we've got 40 volunteers between our two locations, and they are so brave. Like they're the most courageous, intelligent women, but they uh, make themselves available to sit and lead discussion at a table at the luncheon and then they do all the follow-up so if you sit at their table they're emailing you and texting you and mm -hmm. praying for your prayer requests that you submit and so i followed up with a girl named Catherine a couple weeks ago and said hey you sat at my table i noticed you checked this box to know more about a relationship with christ i'd love to treat you to coffee and so i mean this is like the ideal model of how our ministry would right. go so I meet one-on-one -on -one with Catherine. We sit down for lunch and I said, hey, tell me about your experience at Polish and then tell me more about this desire to have a relationship with Christ. Because sometimes we don't, we, we don't even have words to put around what we're feeling. For sure. So it doesn't always mean that someone doesn't have a faith background and all of a sudden they want to convert. Sometimes it's, I've been disconnected from a local church or I want to restart my relationship and so I'm trying to diagnose where she is and she throws up her hands and she's like, I want to know how to have a relationship with God. Like, how do you do that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're like, here's, she just threw the softball at you and you just went to town. Yeah. It's like the story of the eunuch, you know, I mean, he's reading the scroll and asking, what does this mean? Mm -hmm. um, so we train all of our leaders to go through the Romans road in these conversations to let the women read the Bible verses themselves. And so it took me about 30 minutes to walk through the gospel with her. And we get to Romans chapter 10, 9. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this girl, Catherine, she starts sobbing. After you read <laughs> Romans 10, 9? Yeah. Okay. So she She's like head in hands sobbing at lunch and she's like it can't be that simple and i'm like it it is 
I mean, it's that. So let's talk about, do you believe that God raised Jesus from the dead? She's like, I do. I wholeheartedly believe that. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Yeah. And I said, do you, you know, confessing that Jesus is Lord is, I mean, he's going to have all access to your entire life. Are you sure that's something you want to do? And her response was, right now. Mm-hmm. I, yes. I, and I want to do it right. What do I do? Like that well, girl, girlfriend, it's done. I mean, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart, let's, let's just solidify this in prayer. And so she, she was like, what do I say? I never pray. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I do? And her prayer was so beautiful. It was God, I want a relationship with you and I want it to start now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, like, I share that story. It's been eight years. That's the first time something like that has happened mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I know my leaders have experienced it, and I feel like I'm part of cultivating these environments for, sure. for that to happen. Mm-hmm. But that had not happened for me as the executive director in eight years. Right. And so I say that because I know there are so many women listening that want to start a nonprofit or, or go into ministry and Um, I came home and I was like, it's almost embarrassing that I haven't had more opportunities like that. Mm. Um, my leaders have, we, we have, our numbers are great. The conversions are great, but I, you know, we had 150 luncheons under our belt, um, before we really felt like we had some traction in accomplishing our mission. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. 
But I mean, I think that Kat, when you're sharing that, what I'm hearing are a couple of things is number one, so many times, and especially for someone um, like you or people that are listening that are, are starters and they're, and they're go-getters and they have all of this drive and entrepreneurs that success. And, and for you guys with Polish, I think success is sharing the gospel and seeing people follow Jesus. Would I be right? Mm-hmm. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Am I right about that? Yes. yes. So success for you guys is something that you just put one foot in front of the other every single week, every single month when you have an event and you're seeing success, but it wasn't like the first event was a disaster. You know, you said yourself, like it's a disaster. Yep. And then 150 events in, you come home and you're like, that was amazing. Um, and so I think it's just an encouragement to us that are starting things. It's also encouragement to us that are sharing gospel with our friends. Yes. You know, I mean, so many times you're going to feel like, you're sharing and sharing and not seeing anything. Um, but you have no idea what's happening a year down the road. When I meet a woman that was at one of your luncheons, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so that's an encouragement to you guys as well with what you're doing at Polish. It's amazing. Mm. And you just started Polish here in Austin, which I'm a fan of. Yes. Oh my goodness. It is going gangbusters there. Oh, I'm so glad I've been a handful of times. Um, and I just saw that you're coming to speak next. Yes, I'll be there in April. So amazing. Do you know the date? Ooh, second Wednesday of April. I think it's the 13th, maybe. Awesome. Awesome. And I can put a link for people to know more about it in the show notes as well. Oh, thank you. We, you know, spreading the word, that word of mouth is our strongest form of, we don't do any advertising. Um, It's just women sharing with their friends and coworkers. Hey, this is a great place to meet other young professionals, it's really diverse. So, you know, we've got people who write in and and say, well, I, you know, I'm at home, but I work from home or I'm in network marketing or, um, I'm a a nurse, you know, am I welcome? Of course you are. You're anyone is welcome at our events. You'll feel right at home, but yeah, Polish Austin has really taken off. I can only attribute, obviously, the Holy Spirit is the one who decides to empower and to grow something. So he's he's doing something outside of what we planned and yeah. what we for. And then beyond that, we, the leadership team down there is stellar. I mean, just they've really unified around the gospel. They're also really diverse in, mm-hmm. in the denominations we represent in our leadership team and their backgrounds spiritually even, um, but they've really united. So I think that's part of the success down there. Um, and then I think lastly, it's just, we learned from all of our mistakes. And it, I, when anytime I get to share my story, I try to reiterate, this has been eight years of trial and error. Mm-hmm. And um, last fall, Dallas Seminary invited me to come and do a breakout session and talk about our ministry and reaching this generation. And it was funny. I, I almost wrote back and said, I think you guys want me to talk about our success. And my experience and expertise is in failure. <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. I, I, I'm speaking from a place of we just know what doesn't work. Right. Yeah. And by process of illumination, um, we're finally at a place where when we launch new locations, we're seeing a lot of momentum. Right. And I, but that is so true about everything. I, I cannot think of anything of a girlfriend of mine who is a, is a, is a mover and a shaker that starts things. None of them started something. And within the first year, they're like huge success. 
Mm-mm. You know, it takes time. I even think like someone last year, last fall, I went and spoke about podcasting. And I remember a couple of months before I called her and I said, I, I don't think I can do this. This, this <laughs> you've got the wrong person. I mean, honestly, I did. I called her and I said, this is not going to work for me. Like I do not have enough success to bring anything to the table. Um, and she talked me out of it and I ended up doing it. But I, like you, was also like, okay, here's the 17 things I did wrong. Yes. So don't do these, you know, yes. when you start, don't do this. And then we'll go from there. Yes. Um, but I think that's good. We need people in front of us that are walking down these roads to say, Hey, here's how I made a mistake. Let's not do this. And so you're getting, and are y'all going to new cities? Yeah. I mean, we've got requests from nine different cities around the nation that want us to come and duplicate our efforts. And quite frankly, the only thing ha- holding us back is man- manpower and fundraising. And so I am so bad at fundraising, mm. like epically, epically bad. It's hard. I, it's hard work. It takes a lot of time. Yeah. And, you know, I find myself just putting it on the lowest priority and it yeah. should be really top. But right now we're, we're, we're really prayerfully considering two new locations, even for the fall, potentially. Um, North Dallas, which is almost like its own. Yeah. We've got thousands of people moving to North Dallas because State Farm moved their headquarters here. And um, there's one other, I can't think of it, Toyota. Toyota's huge. So we've got a ton of people coming. We want to be ready to share the gospel with them. And then also Fort Worth. So that's been a conversation for almost a year. And so if you've got listeners that are like, oh, I want Polish to come to us. Yeah. We, okay, so we're looking for that one key person. And they're a volunteer director in their city, but they're like, I, I want this to come here. That's the person we're looking for. And so we won't, we have a startup process that our board has approved that, you know, these seven things have to be lined up for it to, to gain a critical mass and for it to be long lasting. Cause yeah. our thing, it's not so much about these amazing speakers that we bring in. It's the relationships that happen at those tables. And then sharing the gospel takes long time with this generation. Yeah, yeah. It, It's not just responding at a crusade, although those work. It's, it's literally what we call, we call it in Polish pre-conversion discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's like life on life, loving people where they are. Sometimes that process can take a year before you even feel like you can present the gospel with some credibility. For sure. And so um, that's what's holding us back right now. We're, we're, we've got some coals in the fires. So if you live in North Dallas or Fort Worth, you know, reach out to me because that's we're trying to round out our leadership team in both locations and potentially launch in September. Oh, that's amazing. So wonderful. Okay. Well, I'll put all that information in the show notes and then people can reach out to you if they're interested in that. So love what you guys are doing at Polish. Amazing. Okay, guys, we're going to get right back. But first, I want to tell you about another sponsor for the show, and that is Lily Jade. You've heard me talk about them before because they were on our Christmas episode. Well, Lily Jade bags, it's such an incredible value. Normally, a full grain leather premium tote would retail for hundreds more. But thanks to their unique e-commerce model, Lily Jade's able to get their gorgeous pieces into even more women's hands. Some of their most popular styles can be worn three different ways. And you know us women like things that can be worn three different ways. Number one, you can wear it over the shoulder or crossbody or as a backpack. 
Every single one of their bags comes with a removable, washable 16 pocket organizer to protect your investment and to organize all your gear. Ladies, if you could see the inside of my purse right now, it would be astonishing. I need this 16 piece thing in every single one of my purses. I have a Lily Jade bag. It's my computer bag. I love it. It's the best bag I've ever traveled with. Um, these are also diaper bags, but you know, I'm way past the diaper stage, but I still love my Lily Jade bag. Lily Jade is not just a great bag company either. The heart of Lily Jade is to give back, supporting all women and especially moms. Every month, for example, Lily Jade gives a bag away to a deserving adoptive mom. I love that so much. And they're also running monthly campaigns on Instagram to celebrate the everyday stories of, a, of amazing women. Follow them on Instagram. It's at Lily Jade Co. That's L-I-L-Y-J-A-D-E-C-O. And then you're going to join in and you're going to be able to share your story with them as well. I highly recommend you follow them on Instagram because they post beautiful pictures anyways, but then you can see more of their bags. So guys, check out their Instagram, but also go check out their website. It's lily-jade.com. So it's L-I-L-Y-J-A-D-E.com. This would make a perfect Mother's Day gift too for anyone in your life. All right, Lily Jade, thanks for sponsoring the happy hour. So um, Kat, you are also a pastor's wife like myself. Um, and I sometimes, I knew when I met you at Polish, I guess when Jessica Honaker was speaking, I don't know when that was, maybe last fall or last spring. Oh my gosh. Yeah, last. Yeah. I met you there and I knew I was going to love you because we talked about this pastor's wife thing. And I sometimes (laughs) feel as though I'm like this unlikely pastor's wife. I kind of feel that way. Um, I don't feel that way in our church, and I've talked about this before on the podcast um, before. I don't feel uh, like we've served at other places, and I've seen other churches where pastors' wives are really like put on this pedestal, and we don't do that here at our church. Like we're just normal people. Um, But I always kind of like migrate to pastors' wives that kind of might have that same feeling as me, and I have a small feeling that you might be that way. That you might just think of yourself as a regular normal person um, and not just this title of pastor's wife, whatever that might mean. Am I right about that? For sure. I mean, I'm constantly joking that I I feel like the worst candidate possible to be a pastor's wife, and yet I am. And so obviously in God's plan, this is what we're supposed to be doing. Right. You're married to an Aaron. I'm married to an Aaron. Yes. <laughs> um this is, this is part of God's calling on our life. But yeah, I mean, it presents all sorts of crazy town for our family, um, for our personal lives. It provides a lot of humor because the things people say to their pastors or pastor's wives are hilarious. Can you share anything? I mean, without being um, mean yeah. or rude or inciting <laughs> anybody that might be listening, but what are some crazy things that have happened since you've been married to a pastor? <laughs> I think folks lay, like they lose their filter maybe a little bit uh-huh. when they're talking with me. Um, so that's always really funny to process through a couple. I've had something. The bathroom always seems to be a strange place. It's where they kind of get you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've had like, I've had someone come up to me and say, um, Oh, are you the pastor's wife? And anytime that phrase is used, I'm like, uh oh, what? what's going next? You almost want to be like, nope, not me, not today. Yeah. Oh, wrong person. <laughs> um, 
but she said, you're, you're so much prettier in person than your picture. (gasps) Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So I never know how to respond to things like that. I have this very awkward, uh, facial expression I do that (laughs) looks very, because I never know what to say, but I was like, Oh, she's like, Oh really, honey, you got to get rid of that picture. I don't know where it is, but man, you just, that picture was bad. Oh my word. Um, So I've had things like that, you know, you've got everything from, uh, it was really cold in the sanctuary today. Um, and you know, you're always saying to yourself, I don't even know where the thermostat is. Right. Even if I did, I bet there's a key and a lock and I don't have that key. And I don't have that kind of like clearance. I can't mess with the air. (laughs) Like that's not under my description. (laughs) Um, I've had people come up to me and be really frustrated that Aaron has not emailed them back about something. Yeah. You know, and things like that where uh, the reason I feel like I'm maybe not a great pastor's wife with them is that my responses are usually things like, that's an interesting thing to share with me. (laughs) And then I smile and it's kind of awkward with a lot of silence because they're. They don't know what to do then. Yeah, but that I, I see a licensed professional counselor. We work on these like phrases that I feel comfortable using, and that's one of them. Which is that's a really interesting thing to share with me. Like this is a phrase that you would go to when you're not really sure what to say. Yeah, ah. I, or anytime I feel like they um, their expectations about what I can accomplish for them that I can't meet. And instead of, I used to feel this real burden of having to explain to them. First, I used to feel burdened to apologize. Oh my goodness. I'm so sorry that my husband did not email you back. Um, but on the flip but side, in reality, it's not, you know, it's not your, it's not your role to apologize. No, I mean, they, they need to take that up with, with, with Aaron. Right. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. You know, and maybe yeah. he did. Send, so I think most of it's try, trying to get myself out of the way, meaning if they want change, if someone wants change at our church, I'm just tr- genuinely not because I don't want to be or can't. I'm just not the avenue to do it. Um, mm. I, you know, I've got a real independent and separate ministry from what Aaron's doing. And although we're a team, I don't have the power to change the thermostat or the lighting or the song choices or so that phrase for me, like that's a really interesting thing to share with me has been helpful in that it, it helps communicate, Hey, I I'm not the right person to have this conversation with and also frees me from trying to like explain things away or apologize for something that I can't really apologize for. Yeah. Because what they want is for you to be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry he didn't email you back. I will talk to him tonight, and then I'm sure he'll email you in the morning. Yeah, and I think my issue with that is not so much that I you know, I couldn't do that. It, it, for, it does two things for me. First, I want to honor Aaron anytime I'm with anybody. And so the last thing I want to do is undermine him and go, oh, my gosh, you know, he – yeah, I guess he's – he must have not been responsive. Or <laughs> right. So I obviously I want to affirm him and encourage him. And so I don't want to say something negative that I don't believe. That's the other flip thing is I'm like, dude is super responsive. So something must be going on. Right. Um, so I think that's the main issue for me is really wanting to affirm him or the leadership of anyone at our church. They're busting their butt for us. Like they 
the ministers are usually giving from a place of poverty, meaning like they don't have enough to give what they're giving. And yet they, the Holy Spirit just enables them to give from a place of spiritual poverty. And so I take their offering really seriously and I don't want to seem like, yeah, I mean, the lighting, wow, it sucked today. Um, Because my friends are in the sound booth and they're really working hard. Um, So I think that's really my desire just to honor the people who are serving us and leading us. Um, And then on the flip side, to really create some distance um, of perception that I am helping make decisions um, for the church. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm just not, I mean, mm-hmm. I could, I mean, that would be beautiful. I'm not saying that would even be wrong. I just don't. It's not where you're serving. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. It's, I feel like that you have a great perspective with it. And I just, at, being on the other side, um, mm-hmm. I think it is, I think it is something though, to be validated and to be saying that like, when you, when you are a church member and you are coming with this request or this concern or whatever it might be, um, that the wives really, it's not their role to take that up with their husbands either. Like I, if you're not, if you don't like a song that Aaron, my Aaron played at church today, I really don't, I can't do anything about it. Right. And I, and I don't want to do anything about it either. Like, I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know. I would be like, you'd be like, I don't know what to say to that right there. Right. Oh my goodness. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thank you. I had a situation where, um, this is, uh, this has been a little crazy. There was a, um, uh, I would say girl, but woman, she was er early twenties who kept hanging out, um, after the last service and talking to Aaron, um, my Aaron, I keep saying Aaron, like you have an Aaron too, but my Aaron, (laughs) she kept hanging around after the service and talking with him. Um, and it was getting awkward. Um, he was trying to have his like band guys, like kind of defer her away. Like it was just an awkward situation. Right. And yeah. I don't go to the seven cause I have four kids and I, we don't stay until nine 30. They have school. Um, and so he would come home and tell me about it. And so there was one time that I actually did get to go to the seven and afterwards cat, it was so uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but there was this woman who was waiting for Aaron and mm-hmm. I was like feeling like, I think you should say something, Jamie. I think you should say something, but I'm a huge harmonizer. Like I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And <laughs> I just, am like, well, I'd rather just let it go. And so we're just standing there and I said, hi. And she goes, I was waiting on Aaron. I wanted to talk to him. And I said, well, I'm his wife. I can talk to you. She's like, oh, I was going to ask him if he would pray for my sister. And I wanted to, to pray with him. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? Like I can pray with you. And she's like, I'll just wait. And I, and, and then I was like, okay, Jamie, you have to. And so then I just said, you know what? Like, I'd really rather you not. I think it's a little inappropriate that you would wait for my husband after church and want to talk with just him. And as his wife, I would just ask that you don't do that. Right. And I was sweaty armpits. Like I'm about (laughs) to vomit. This is so uncomfortable because I don't want to be mean. I don't. And I don't want anyone to be mad at me. I like to be liked, Mm -hmm. but it got to a point where it was just like, I think that maybe I should say something like this is my husband. And so, um, it was uncomfortable to say the least, (laughs) but I did it. Like it was done, <laughs> but that was probably one of my most uncomfortable wife moments where I said had, I needed to say something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there have definitely been opportunities and several of the roles my Aaron has served in where I have gotten to speak into some things. They've been more like ministerial related as opposed to decision-making, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how I would even categorize that. Like you were being a minister of the gospel, right. And you were, um, 
I, I feel like you are trying to care for him, your husband and yourself all at the same time. And that's what a minister does. And so it's challenging. I think you and I share in that we're, we're at churches that literally are championing our, what we do as the spouses, mm-hmm. like individually from our husbands. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are women listening in that are pastor's wives that don't have that support. And I was praying for them this morning, thinking about, you know, we might bring this up and there might be women listening in that feel really defeated in that. And um, I think I just wanted to encourage them to, to take courage, like hold on and pray, pray that God would or reorchestrate like the elder board or the church leadership so that they are supporting and championing you. But currently that the elder board that's serving at Dallas Bible Church, that's where my husband's the lead pastor. I mean, they are incredible. They want to not only empower me and cheer me on and support me with prayer, but they also want to protect me. And um, they've set beautiful boundaries, even with the requests they get um, when folks want to have time with me or want our family involved in something. And so I think you and I, Jamie, probably share that, that we've got really supportive church homes. For sure. For sure. And I feel like that probably helps me um, feel safe and comfortable to run with what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would assume that would be for you as well. So, and just to tag on to that encouragement to those wives that might be listening, I get women all the time who come to me and say stuff like my husband doesn't support this or my husband doesn't this. Mm -hmm. Um, And my number one encouragement to them, um, A, because it's biblical and B, because I've seen it work in my life is to begin to pray for your husband. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, I also say, begin to pray for our own heart to change. Um, Like I've seen that as well. I want Aaron to be this way. I want him to do this. And I'll just pray and pray and pray for him, which is fine and awesome. But when I stop and say, God, if it's me, you want to change. Then let that be as well. Um, and so um, not not in a way of like I need to be put down or demean or by any way, but just to look at the whole situation and say, I want to pray for this situation. I want to pray for my husband's heart to change. I want to pray for my heart to change towards him. Um, and so I would just encourage that as well. I, yeah. I, I love encouraging women to pray for their husbands and themselves. All yeah. in one. All in one. Okay, Kat, such great stuff. I always ask my guests three things they're loving and what they're reading. So where would you like to start? Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, I love to read. So I am just collect books. It feels like I'm trying to think what I've read so far this year. I've probably already read 10 to 15 books this year. Oh, I love it. I will like crank on the weekends through a book um, and tab it up and like go back to it. Um. I just read Ruth Tucker. It's called, well, okay, so that one was really interesting. Can I say that? It was really interesting. Okay. It was Black and White Bible, Blue and uh, Black Wife, and it's about domestic violence. And Wait, that's the tagline? Say it one more time. It's, I'm t- looking at it, Black and White Bible, bl- Black and Blue Wife. Oh, gosh. It's scary. I mean, I know <laughs> you're like, this is on your favorite list. Thanks, Kat. No, uh, I- <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, no, that one's it, it. It's really eye opening. If you have a friend suffering in a domestic violence, I feel like the more the longer I'm in ministry with women, mm. the statistics feel so distant. You know, when you hear oh, three and ten or four and five, 
three and two, experience this, that, and the other, you feel a lot of distance from those until you know somebody Mm. who's experienced it. And so that book, Ruth Tucker's a legit theologian. I mean, most of her books are required reading material for seminary students on church history. And so she really kind of diverted in this book to talk about her own personal experience with domestic violence. And um, I, you know, I'm not endorsing everything that she says is about her personal story, but I found that to be a really fascinating read. And then Um, Probably my second favorite this year so far has been a book called Leading with a Limp. Okay. It's by Dan B. Allender. He is just a famous author, preacher, licensed professional counselor, started um, a seminary and graduate school for people going into counseling. But the whole book is written for anyone who leads anywhere. And I would argue if you're influencing one person beyond yourself, you're leading. So we lead as parents, we lead as spouses, we lead as sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, But this book just talks about the limp we usually gain from our deficiencies, our sin struggles, and the hardships we face in life, our obstacles, and it's how to lead from that place. Um, And I, I'm not kidding. I wept from page one to the very last Mm -hmm. page, just like a, I wept like a baby and Mm -hmm. I reread it the very next day. I like went back through everything on Underland, which was like the whole book. Um, and I've been recommending it nonstop. So leading with a limp. So good. I just added it to my Goodreads list on to read. I love getting book recommendations. It's a good one. Well, um, after those two phenomenal books that you tell me you're reading, I'm a tad bit embarrassed to tell you what I'm reading. (laughs) But I'm going to go ahead and do it. So here we go. Um, I'm reading Becoming Sister Wives, the story of an unconventional (laughs) marriage by the entire Brown family. (laughs) That is what I'm reading. That's awesome. Well, hey, we talked about earlier, I am your go-to person for like pop culture ridiculousness. So, I mean, on one hand, I spend time reading these like, you know, deep books, but I get five or six magazines sent to my home every month. I know. Do you subscribe to these like Us Weekly? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, do you watch, have you ever watched Sister Wives? No, I haven't. Okay. Now, look, I'm going to tell you that you need to get on this train of Sister Wives because um, I am thoroughly infatuated with it. It's kind of okay, weird. So this, weird. Is a, this is a TV show or it's a book? Okay. It's a TV show and it's on TLC and they maybe have three or four seasons. I'm not sure. Since I don't have cable, I have to wait till it comes out on like Netflix. Um, and then now this is a book and they've written a book about their story and about their courtships and all that kind of stuff. And I literally read it and just think, this is the weirdest thing I've ever read in my entire life. And I apologize if I'm offending anyone, but it really is. Like the fact that Cody, which is the husband, was married to one wife and then they've been married a couple of years and then they're out at this church event and a girl catches his eye and he pursues her. And that's just weird to me. Like that, well, it should be weird. (laughs) It's creepy. Yeah. So, um, but it's like this weird train wreck that I can't ever stop looking at. So that's, there's (laughs) that I, uh, I, I'm, you can tell I'm a passionate person. I feel like if I read that book or watched that TV show, I wouldn't sleep because I would be like, this is wrong. This is wrong. Like women are being degraded and abused and I have to stop it. And so (sighs) I, 
I, the way I unplug, the way I like release, my release valve is looking at ridiculous pictures of celebrities' babies. So this would be a struggle for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I, I, I do want to tell you about a book I read recently also. This is going to this is gonna up yeah. my game a little bit. It's not about any kind of polygamy. I was like, I can't <laughs> think of the word, polygamy. I was um, like, no, it's just wrong. It's just it's wrong. wrong, yes. So I read this book. I was given this book in February um, by um, someone I'm working with for writing stuff. And it's called Space at the Table, Conversations Between an Evangelical Theologian and His Gay Son. And uh-huh. it is by – it says Brad and Drew Harper. So it's by the father and the son. Mm-hmm. And it was literally, I mean, I read it on an airplane from Portland to home. I read the entire book and I immediately, when I closed the last page, started crying and I texted um, my husband, our head pastor of our church and our youth pastor. And I said, you need to read this book. Um, and it was just one of the most remarkable books I've read. Oh, I, I would say I haven't read a lot of books on this subject, so I can't really say one of the most remarkable books. But for me, it was this very honest, safe place that this father and son invited us into. And the reason I cried when I finished it, because I felt um, I felt like I had experienced something very holy between them almost. Um, mm-hmm. And it doesn't end with the son converting to Christianity, and it doesn't end with him realizing he's not going to um, act on these feelings. It doesn't end that way. Like it ends with them loving each other and their differences. Um, and it was just a really, really great book. And um, I love the name. It's called Space of the Table. And it really, you get to walk with them and see each of them love each other through their differences. Mm-hmm. Um, so I highly recommend. Highly that recommend. That sounds so powerful. It I'm was so good. It yes. I'm it down. Yeah, it was so good. And it just came out um, just at the end of February. So it's a, it's a new book, and I recommend it um, very highly. Love it. So there's that. Okay, what are the three things you're loving? What am I loving? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving frozen rice that you can microwave in three minutes ah. and make a whole meal. So I'm loving that. Easy stuff right there. Is that the kind of stuff you talk about? That's what oh. you talk about on yeah. your podcast. Yeah. I listen. So I feel comfortable saying I'm obsessed with going to the frozen food section of Central Market and loading up five of those frozen rice things and being like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, we're Girl. all doing rice is going to be our side. There you go. It's a meal um, right there. I would do that, but we don't have a microwave. We haven't had a microwave for like seven years. <laughs> so I miss out on those kind of moments where you just get to do that. Oh, man, I you're know. so cool. I know. You're so cool. Okay, what else? Um, I'm really into sacred holidays. My friend Becky Smith wrote, uh, her, sorry, Becky Kaiser. Um, she wrote a Bible study to prepare people for Easter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I am literally digging this. It's multiple contributors. I did a week in it as well. But Becky's passion for Christ and her passion to prepare people for these big holidays, because really we... I, I miss big holidays emotionally because I'm so caught up when it comes to Christmas and Easter specifically, mm-hmm. family and the busyness. And so I am just loving my sacred holiday study for real. Oh. Um, so that's something I'm loving. And then I just bought a new Bible for the first time in probably 10 years. It's one of those journaling Bibles. <gasps> From Crossway? Yes. Oh, we just got one and they, it's beautiful. It's so gorgeous. Yes. Um, and it's got margins on both yes. sides to take notes. And so 
although I'm missing my like keyword study Bible that gives you all the cross references to start clean, like no circles, no notes, no underlines, and to let the words just jump off the page. Um, it's really meant a lot to me. And, um, you know, the last thing I'll mention is something that I started seeing a new licensed professional counselor in the fall. I felt like my needs were different. And so I wanted to find a new person and she's been incredible. Uh, But we have been talking about my relationship with God and how to connect on a deeper relationship with Christ. And so we've been going through um, something that priests and nuns would use to connect with Jesus specifically in the gospels Mm -hmm. where, um, and I can send you some information on it. I'm going to mispronounce it because it's Latin, but I think it's Latino Divina. Okay. Um, and it's essentially just a way to read the scriptures and interact with them. And so anyone who's listening, maybe they have some background in doing like a preset Bible study where you're studying key words and phrases or maybe an exegetical study where you're looking at parts of the Bible and connection as a whole or word studies or character studies. So this is just another expression of how to interact with the scriptures. It's it, changed my life. <laughs> and where did you get it? So my counselor basically walked me through it. She, she taught me how to do it. I don't know if there's, I'll, I'll try to see if I can find something online. Okay. Yeah. I'd love to um, see it. But essentially, it's just it's coming to something that Jesus says, so a red letter mm-hmm. part of your Bible, mm-hmm. imagining yourself in a room alone with Christ, knowing that he's waiting on you, that he wants to talk to you, reading a, a verse until you sense the spirit just, I don't know, move you. And I don't know how other to explain that. Then you just all of a sudden go, wow, wait, what did I just read? That yeah. was really incredible. What did Jesus say? And absorbing those words as if he's speaking right to you right then. And um, it's just a really, really different way for me to interact with the scriptures. And maybe yeah. people are listening going, how has she not done that before? But it's, no, I, it's totally changed my life. No, I feel like. I, yeah. love, I love that. And it's I love how you said that there are just all these different ways. Um, whether you're studying a certain word or, you know, an entire passage or whatever. And this is just another way for you um, to connect. And I love it. If you find yeah. something online, I want to see it. Okay. I'll send it to you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. Oh, I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, Kat, I am a fan of all things that you're doing. I'm a fan <laughs> of um, those cute baby bow ties. Um, although all my babies are way too big for bow ties. But if I ever get a dog, I'm going to get one. <laughs> Yeah. And so that, and I love what you guys are doing polish. I thank you for sharing that story about Catherine and mm-hmm. leading her to the Lord. And I just, I'm a huge fan of all you got going on. So thank you for sharing that with us today. Thank you, Jamie. I'm so honored to be a part of this. I just, much like all the opportunities coming across my way, I just can't believe that uh, you would give us this opportunity. So thank you. Ah, joy is mine. And I know people are going to love it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I uh, sent me the link too uh, for the Bible studies that you told me about with. Um... Yeah, I'll send you the the what I'm practicing in my quiet time. I'll send you the sacred holiday info, and then I'll send you the info on Polish Austin in April. Because obviously, if, if anyone's in Austin, we'd love for you to come. And if you're in Dallas, we've got monthly events as well. Yeah, sounds great. Sounds great. Okay, thanks for coming on the happy hour. Okay, bye, Jamie. 
Guys, wasn't that a great conversation? I love talking with Kat and hearing her heart. Her passion and wisdom made for such a refreshing conversation. Remember, everything that we chatted about today is going to be up on my website, jamieivy.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Leave me a comment there. Find me on Twitter or Instagram, like I told you earlier, and Facebook. Share something with me that you loved from this episode. Today's show is edited by Knox McCoy, and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week's guest is hopefully going to be Shay Scholl from Mix and Match Mama. We're scheduled to talk soon, and I have been following her on social media for a long time and just very intrigued with her family and love the things she's doing. And so I cannot wait to chat with her and share that with you. Guys, enjoy your week and share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you next week. Bye.